It's great to be here this morning. Uh, I'm confident the Lord has something for us this morning. So um, let's just begin. We're going to be concluding the John 17 project today. Um, this, this, I, I could just live in John 17. The reason I could just live in John 17 is because it speaks of a God who is amazingly passionate about everything that he does. And he tells us some amazing things. I wrote here, if you want to follow in your notes real quick, I wrote this. I said, God resolved before the foundation of the world to redeem a people whom he created to be redeemed to himself. That one day and forever, his eternal and perfect plan would reach its fulfillment. Until then, the completed work of the cross is still in process in our sanctification and our relationships with his church to which we belong if we're in Christ and with the world from which we have been separated. Union, unity with God is everything to God. And if unity and union with God is everything to him, what should that be to us? Everything, everything. And what we see in John 17 is a God who is relational. Before, we read, before I read from the 21st and the 23rd verse, John 17.3 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his father, desiring for us to overhear him. And this is eternal life. Now think about that. This, here, if somebody said to you, hey, would you like to know what eternal life is? Who wouldn't want to know what eternal life is? Hey, here it is. You want to know what eternal life is? This is eternal life. Not the way to eternal life. Not steps to eternal life. Not the possibility of eternal life. He said, this is eternal life. What? That you know my dad. That you know the father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Do you see how relational this God is? Not about commandments and rules and everything else. It's about knowing him. And that word know there could not be a more passionate word that we get in the Greek. It's the same word know that's used for a, for a husband's relationship with his wife and a wife with her husband. It's that passionate. There's no other way to, for it to be described than the most intimate relationship on earth that there is. That relationship of oneness between husband and wife. And we read that all through this passage. This is eternal life. Knowing God. Knowing him. That's amazing. So let's read verse 21, that they, Jesus, what, this is Jesus' prayer. Now here's the, the beginning of the verse. This is eternal life. The beginning of the passage, the beginning of the prayer. Here's the end of the prayer. Hear this. Just see Jesus praying this prayer to his father that they may. Father, God, I pray that they would all be one. Father, just as you and I are one. Just, Father, you in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Father, so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me. Father, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. And loved them even 
as you have loved me. Let's pray. Father, if that's Jesus' prayer, that's our prayer. That is our prayer this morning. Father, would you grant us this revelation? I can't imagine that you would have us, Lord, have this prayer in Scripture, this conversation that, Father, you had with your Son. Lord, we believe it's for us to hear and for us to receive. And so, Lord, we pray, God, grant us this revelation of our union with you, which creates our union with one another so that in the revelation of that union, the fruitfulness that comes from that, the world may know that, Father, you sent your Son and you love us in the same way you love your Son. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Perfectly one. Now, what makes you and me perfectly one? Is it how we get along? It's how we think about one another. How connected we feel. Is that what makes us one? As the church in Jesus Christ. Is that what makes us one? Am I less one when I don't like you than I am when I do like you? No. What makes you and me perfectly one is the completed work of Jesus Christ, period. Like, like my brother is here this morning and my brother and I are perfectly one. Now that doesn't mean we get along all the time, but, but DNA testing would show that's my brother. Not to mention the fact that he and I look just like one another. I'm a little more handsome, but um, he's a lot more strong. Um, but we are perfectly one. That oneness was created by my mom and my dad when they got together and had me and then had him. But perfectly one. Do you see that? Whether or not we act like it, we are perfectly one. And why are we perfectly one? We need to see this. Because God made us perfectly one. That's why. It has nothing to do with whether we like one another or not. Because in Christ, there's no more slave or free, barbarian, Scythian, we're all one in Christ because of the united work, the great work of Christ on our behalf. That's what makes us one. The cross of Christ makes us one. We need to see that. This is the work of God. It's a completed work of God. And now we get to walk out the completed work of God's, what we get to do. Now I want to dive back into the middle of John 17 just for a minute so we can challenge ourselves this morning to see where we are, what we really believe. John 17, 16 through 17. Jesus is talking to his father. He says, Lord, they're not of the world. He's talking about his disciples are not of the world. Now he's talking about us who are in Christ, just as I am not of the world. And then he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Plunge them. Saturate them, marinate them, smother them in the truth because your word is the truth. How many of us this morning believe that God's word is the truth? How many of us this morning believe that God's word is the truth? How many of us this morning believe that God's word is the truth? I mean, what, where would we be if God's word wasn't the truth? I mean, think about that. 
It's just real simple. God's word is the truth. And Jesus is praying that we be sanctified in the truth. And he's leading up to this truth that Father, just like you and I are one, make them one with us. That's the truth. I don't have this in your notes, but 1 Peter says this. For you, if you're in Christ, you've been born again. Not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. That's how we're born again, by this truth. Christ, the word, in the beginning with the Father and the Son. So, this morning, I, at the title of the message, God's Joyful, Eternal, in, what does it say? I can't read it. Irreversible Resolution. What are some resolutions for us? We should be resolved to believe that the word of God is a big deal. The word of God's a big deal because it's the truth. It's the truth above all truths. Why is that? Well, it's so powerful that Jesus said that even if heaven and earth passes away, what's not going to pass away? God's word is not going to. That's how powerful it is. You know how powerful it is? It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, 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 it uh, pierces the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it's able to discern. I love this. It's able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of the, the heart. I love it. It's able to discern the thoughts, what I'm thinking, and the intentions why I'm thinking what I'm thinking. Isn't that good? So God gets to the very core of it, dividing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it's all, in all scripture, all of it's inspired by God. Every word is inspired, breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching us, for reproving us, for correcting us, for training us in righteousness. Why that's a good thing? So that we will be equipped Complete, equipped for every good work. Do you believe this? I have to ask myself that when I'm faced in Switzerland. Not when I'm sitting here, this is easy. But I got to ask myself that when I'm in traffic or I'm having an issue with my wife or I'm having an issue with somebody else. I have to ask myself, do I really believe this? Jesus, Lazarus, back to John 11. Jesus waits for Lazarus to die. He shows up. Martha says, Jesus, if you would have, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Jesus interacts with her a little bit and he says, Martha, I am. Hear this. Hear this for us today. Okay. I am the resurrection and the life. Can we, can we hear that for the very first time? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And he who believes in me will never die. And he could have stopped right there, but he didn't. He then asks a question that he asks every one of us. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Thank God that God's word is true. This, by the way, this, this is his word. He being the resurrection and the life. So I would, I would encourage us. I just put, I put at, at the end of almost everyone a resolution power prayer point. Just something for us to go back and, and just to pray out loud. Verse 18 of Psalm 19 says, I've, Your word have I hidden, have I treasured in my heart so that I may not sin against you. 
How do you make that into a prayer? Father, cause me to treasure your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. That we make these prayer points, PowerPoints of change for our lives. Because we see that from the garden of death and division comes the garden of life and unity. We understand this. In Genesis chapter 2, there were two trees in the garden. God told Adam, of any tree you may eat, but not this one. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you do that, you shall surely die. And we know they didn't drop dead physically at the moment. They died spiritually, separated from God, totally dead in terms of any life. They were separated from life. Today, if any of us is not, are not in, any of us are not in Christ, we are separated from life. That's, the, that's what the truthful word of God says. We do not have life because the only source of life is life. This is eternal life, that you know the Father in Jesus Christ whom he sent. So if you don't know the Father and you don't know the Son, you don't have the life. There was a day I didn't have the life. But God, by his grace, opened my eyes to have him. He is the life. The day you eat of this, you shall surely die. And so we did. For all of us in the lineage of Adam die. Every one of us were born of our father, Adam. Physically alive, spiritually dead. For in Adam, all die. So in Christ shall all be made alive. Why? Because eternal life is knowing union with Christ. Why? Why God do that? Because he's rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were enemies, even when we were sinners, even when we couldn't have cared less, Christ comes roaring through our rebellion and our death and our carelessness for him. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And what did he do? He raised us up with him. He seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He didn't just save us and say, get away from me. Saving you is hard enough. No, he raises us up with him. He seats us with him. He could not speak any more clearly of displaying to the universe as he raises us with him and seats us with him. This is my boy. This is, this is my daughter. He doesn't hide us away. He raises, do, do, do you see how amazing that is of God's care and passion and excitement about us being his Oh, that this would overwhelm us. Because what did he do? He delivered us from the domain of darkness. He seated us he, he, um, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption. No big deal. Redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So resolve to know this. Another prayer point, Romans 3, nothing, in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Make that our prayer. Father, you've said that nothing can separate me from you. Nothing. Oh God, I want to know that. These become prayer power points for us. So resolve to believe that God's word is a big deal. Resolve to believe that we are in Christ forever sealed with him. And that resolve to believe that we are one 
with the Father and the Son. How many times in the New Testament? Phil likes when I put blanks because I, I do that so you can write on your paper other than scribbling. How many times in the New Testament are we declared to be in Christ, in Jesus, in him, through him, and other derivations of the same meaning and position? So I, I looked this up. I asked John Piper what this was. I asked different people this. Over 165 times in the New Testament, in him, through him, in Christ, in Jesus Christ. Do you think God may be trying to get something across to you and me? This union, this irresolvable, ir- ir- irreconcilable, ir- not irreconcilable, this irreversible union with him. Irreversible union with him. Insoluble re- union with him. Let me just give you a one with God sampler right here. What has he done through the cross that has united us to the Father and the Son, that has given us eternal life who we're in Christ? He's justified, sanctified, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, forgiven, righteous, redeemed, holy and blameless, accepted, adopted, made new, called, chosen, predestined, glorified, sons and daughters, priests, saints, kings and queens of God. Could there be greater news than that? So good. So good. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That same word is what God has joined together. Let no man separate. You guys married here? You heard that before? Same, same situation. Same word. He who is joined. Let's get a bigger picture of who God is. He who is joined to the God who created all things knows all things, is the epitome of all wisdom, knowledge, and power, has joined the likes of you and me forever irrevocably to him. Just breathe that in for a moment. He has done that. Ask a question here for us to consider. How much or often do we ask for this revelation of all the amazing accruals to our account in Christ. If we do not ask, why do we not ask? We have this treasure of Christ in us for the purpose of this treasure being dispensed through us. Could our lack of asking reflect our lack of believing that these words are the truths in which we are sanctified? Ask ourselves this question. Stare into that. Why have I not asked him that I would see my union with him and my union with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Here's another PowerPoint of prayer. It's Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. And the question is, how many of us have asked that question? Don't have to raise your hand. But really, how many of us asked that question? Lord, show me my union with you. Show me my union with my brothers and sisters. Give me this wisdom and understanding. We probably haven't asked for that that much. So you know what we're going to do right now? I'm going to pray. I'm not closing though, so don't get your hopes up. Um, Let's pray. Father, we pray the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for us, one of them. And this is what we ask you, Father, that you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would grant to us your spirit of wisdom manifest to us your spirit of wisdom and revelation that we will know you more.
God, open the eyes of our understanding like never before that we would see this truth. God, the hope of your calling in our lives, and that is to know you. And that, Lord, to you, would you show us that to you we are a great, we are a great inheritance. And that we would walk in the incomparably great power that is ours who believe. God, show us that power, that you are that power. That very power, Father, which you raise when you, you exercise, when you raise Jesus from the dead. That is the power that is at work in us that we would know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. And that truth, Lord, would just burst out of us with great passion and joy, out of our innermost being, flowing rivers of living water. God, we pray for your glory and the building up of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I feel like I could stop there. No, Frank, please don't stop. Please, please. Uh, okay, so here we are. We're resolved to believe that God's word's a big deal. We're resolved to believe that we are totally his. We're resolved to believe that we are one with the Father and the Son. Let's be resolved to believe and defend the Christ-created unity that we have within the church. Because our battle is not against one another. Our battle is against, not against flesh and blood. We battle against rulers and powers and principalities and authorities. I, I, I wrote here, we have been placed into a wartime church. If we're looking to be pacifists in this spiritual conflict, we're in the wrong place. The church is a militant body that fights. Now, follow me here. The church is a militant body that fights from peace to peace. In the power of the one who is our peace. We fight by being sanctified in the truth. In the truth of God's word that says, I have made you as much one with one another as I've made you with me. And that's totally. Christ is the one who sanctifies us in the truth by the Holy Spirit. Christ is the one that's given us all we need for life and godliness. Christ has done this. We need to see that. And we are in a war, a spiritual battle for unity to do and to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is knowing Christ, loving Christ, and therefore knowing and loving one another. This is what Paul writes to the Ephesians. It's, it's here for a reason. We need to see this. Paul writes, I therefore, because of everything that Christ has done for you in the previous three chapters that we've read, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. He's talking to the church now. He's not just talking to one individual. He's saying, church, Lakeview Christian Center. How about that? Paul's writing to Lakeview Christian Center this morning. Hey, Lakeview, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been Called. Okay, stop. What is a manner that is, what would walking in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we've been called? Whose calling do we have? We have a calling from the God who created all things, chose us. He called us, He chose us, He predestined us, He glorified us. This is the calling. He says, walk in a manner worthy of this calling. 
With how, how do I do that? With all humility and gentleness, in patience, with, uh, with patience, bearing with one another, church, in love, eager. The New American Standard says being diligent to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, to maintain the unity. He doesn't say here to create some unity. We don't create unity. Christ creates unity. He did it through his cross. He made us one with him and one with one another. That's what he did. He did that. He did that to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And then Paul goes on to say, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Now, we've heard this scripture a lot of times, but there's a particular part in this that just stuck out at me. And look at verse 16 again. From whom the whole body, that's all of us, making up the body of Christ, held together, joined rather, there's that word joined together, who's joined to the Lord as one spirit with him, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When? When does that happen? When each part is working properly. What happens then? It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Well, what if we're not working together properly? I think the conclusion is here. We don't grow up. We don't build ourselves up in love if we are finding ourselves divided over whatever. We're not joined and held together actually. We may know these truths, but we're not walking in these truths. If we are resolved to believe and defend our Christ-centered and created unity, we're not letting anything get in the way of this. Nothing. John 13, the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. Jesus... He serves his disciples. John writes, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Jesus, knowing that he had come from the Father. And Jesus, knowing that he was going back to the Father. Now, is, is, that, is that security or what? I know I'm from Dad. I know he called me. And I know I'm going back to him. Because of that, what did he do? The Bible says he undressed, he put on a towel, and the, his very last action, other than having Passover with his disciples, was to do the most menial thing. This is the last thing he does. He washes their feet. Peter has a real problem with this. <laughs> don't wash my feet, Lord. He says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you've got nothing to do with me. He says, then bring it. And then Jesus goes on to teach them more. And then he says this. He gives them a clinic in serving and sacrifice. He says, 
John 13, 17. You may want to write that in your notes because it's worth having because I don't have it in your notes. John 13, 17, he says, if you know these things, know what things? Serving, sacrificing, laying down your life. Why would I do this? Because this is what you, you and I can say the same thing that Jesus said. Because I know the Father's given to me what I need. He's given me life. I know that God, I have come, I'm going to the Father. I know I have everything because I'm united with him. You and I can say the same thing. Because my life is found in him, I can serve and sacrifice and lose nothing and gain everything by being with him. He says, if you know these things. Now, in this generation, do we not love knowledge? Knowledge is power. Knowledge, oh, knowledge, education. Oh, and I'm, I'm not opposed to knowledge. I'm not opposed to education. I'm not saying that. But Jesus says, if you know these things, you're blessed. Isn't that great? If we know these things, we're blessed. If we do them. Do you know what happens when we know the right thing, the truth of God's word, and we don't do it? There becomes a, a clogging of our arteries of our heart and there's dullness and there's sleepiness and there's not the passion and the vigor that is given to us in Christ. If you know these things, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. If you know these things, what things? The truthful things that Christ is telling us about. If you know these things, you're blessed. If you do them, and we do them in the power of God's spirit. Not just some perfunctory obedience, lifeless. No, God empowers me and you to do these things. Okay. Lord, we resolved to not participate in a unity that divides. Lord, this year I want to be resolved to participate in a unity that does not divide. See, there's unities that divide, aren't there? Back in, let's just go back into the wilderness with Moses. People didn't like the way Moses was doing things. So this guy by the name of Korah decided to head up a union, unity. He brought about a unity of people opposed to the one whom God had anointed as his leader. And we know what happened to that, don't we? You know, the earth had lunch with Korah and his rebels. They, they, the earth just kind of swallowed them up. How, were the Pharisees united against Jesus? They sure were. And we see, but the uni a unity that creates division. Did Lucifer not unite a third of the angels against God? Great unity, but all the wrong reasons. In Genesis chapter 11, remember in Genesis 9, God says, tells, this, is, this is Noah. Hey, Noah, be fruitful. Go forth. Multiply, fill the whole earth, is what he said to him. Now, just about 400 years later, just a few generations later, there's this guy by the name of Nimrod. Okay? Now, the people are, the, the earth is being repopulated. And remember, God said, go forth and, and multiply. Now, what, is, what, is, what do they decide to do? Well, they decide to, to settle in the land of Shinar. And they say, you know what? We, let's do this. Let's build a tower to heaven. Okay? None of this going forth. Let's not be divided. Let's, let's build a tower to heaven. The, the world had the same language. 
They're all understanding one another and they begin to build this tower. But why did they build this tower? To make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They did this for themselves, for their own for their own power, for their own unity, opposed to God who said, hey, fill the earth, multiply, fill the earth. Oh, no, they knew better. Now, this is interesting. I don't understand all of this, but it says the Lord took, took notice of this. And he says, this, he says, behold, they are one people. They have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do in their unity. And then he says this. Nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Now, I can tell you, I don't necessarily know all of that means. I do not. But I can't help but think if those who are united to divide from God, nothing would be impossible for them. Think about this for a second, church. What if we who are the church of God united by Christ? What if? We, in our union, sought God above all else. What would be impossible for the church of Jesus Christ? Now, that may sound hyperbolic, but I don't think it is. Why don't we give it a try? <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we look at putting aside all these things that so easily, easily try to divide us? Now, look, Satan is the purveyor of disunity, right? He was, Jesus calls him what he is. He's a murderer. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. Why is that? Because he is the father of lies. When he lies, speaks, he speaks out of his own character. No truth in him. Boy, there's so much. I would just, we could just stop right there and, and unpack that some more. But Jesus also said to him in John 10, the thief comes only. That's all he does. 24 7, 365. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus said, that you'd have life, life abundantly. Some of you've heard me say this before, but when he comes, before he can steal and before he can kill and before he can destroy, he does one thing, and that is divide. He starts his little nibbling divisions, and then the stealing, the killing, the destroying begins to happen. Paul writes to Ephesians, to Ephesians again, let no one, not, don't let this liar, don't let anyone else that may be acting as that liar, let no one deceive you with Empty words. Some translations say idle words. For because of these things, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Those are Adam's race. Those are those who are not in Christ. Therefore, do not become partners. The New American Standard says, do not become partakers with them. Don't associate with these sons of disobedience. He's not saying you don't hang out with the world, but just don't... Participate in these actions. He says, for at one time, I love this, for at one time you were darkness. He didn't say you were in darkness. He said your identity, your last name was darkness. Steve, darkness. Glenn, darkness. Hope, darkness. We were, dar we were darkness. 
because we're in our father, Adam. But now ah, you are light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. What is pleasing to the Lord? That the son's prayer to his father is answered. Father, as you and I are one, make them one with us. Perfectly one with us. Living like one with us. I wrote this, follow me with this, please. An understanding of our union with Christ and all that means creates awareness of this. That only Christ defines us and no other. That only Christ defines us and no other. Whether those others are our brothers and sisters in Christ or the world, it matters not one bit. If the world acclaims us, applauds us, hoists us on a 21st century donkey and says, Hosanna! That same world will soon look to crucify us, but not our Lord. He hoists us on his shoulders like a shepherd, his wayward lamb, and, and joyfully proclaims, Mine, mine when you're obedient, mine when you stray, mine when you're indifferent, mine when you don't even know if you believe. Yes, always this, mine, 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 mine. And when we see ourselves as such, we readily view our brothers and sisters in Christ as his, 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 his. And therefore, mine, 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 mine. There is no place for gossip, slander, harshness, or division, for there is no such thing in Christ. Nor is there to be among his sheep. His passion for us is much too great and his love much too deep to allow any offense, whatever it may be, to be seen as greater than our offense to his holiness, which drew him from his throne to a cruel cross to unite us as one with him and one with one another. God hates disunity. Father, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you'll live even if you die. And if you believe in me, you'll never die. Do you believe this? Yes, let's believe for heaven. But hey, could we believe the scriptures that talk about living for now? And just what this unity does. Let us let resolution PowerPoint prayer Ephesians 4, 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such as good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Pray that to Father. Father, I want no unwholesome word to come out of my mouth. God, Spirit of God, stop me. But only such as good for edification. What's needed at the moment? If there's no word that's needed at the moment, shut up. That it may give grace to those who hear. And if it doesn't give grace... Nothing should come forward. And lastly, we are resolved to come to him wholeheartedly in 2023.
Keith is about to begin a phenomenal message, phenomenal series on worship, which I'm so excited to hear. This is something that I've been thinking about. Worship, it's a whole lot more than singing. Here's what Jesus says. These are Jesus' words. Hey, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Let me read that again. If you're offering your gift to the altar, okay, we're worshiping. We're singing this morning. Okay, let's just use that as an, this morning we've already, we're doing lots of worshiping things. We've worshiped by interacting with one another. I hope it's been worship. We're worshiping in song. Hopefully we're worshiping and listening Hopefully we're worshiping, uh, uh, worshiping and, listen, and listening and, and grasping what God has said. If you are making your offering at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. I don't mind right now if you begin to wonder about that. Or that you have something against your brother. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled. To your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, I know we can think of this as what maybe some money you're bringing or whatever. You're but guess what? In Romans 12, 1 says that we are the offering. Doesn't it? You know, you hear this stuff today about, hey, brother, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Don't say anything about the pastors or the elders. Excuse me. Who are the anointed of the Lord? I'm looking at them. For you in Christ have an anointing from the Lord. Who am I to say anything about you? You are God's. We are God's anointed. We are God's people. Everything we do in Christ is worship. Paul writes to the Colossians, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving glory to God our Father. Whatever you do, Whatever you do when you're worshiping God, and all that the believer is to be doing is worshiping God. I'm supposed to worship the Lord this afternoon when I watch the saints play. That should be worship. I don't think it's the same as this. I'm sure I'll have moments that I'll have to repent. But nonetheless, it's whatever you do. In other words, I see myself as so in sync, so united with God. Oh God, if, I could just, if we would just know God as God. See myself so united with God that every step I take, every breathe, breath I breathe, I see myself as one with the God who loved me in spite of me and made himself one with me and me with one with all others in Christ. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving glory to God the Father. Father, consider this. When worshiping through song or being baptized, if you've yet to be, or receiving communion. Hear, hear this. If you wouldn't sing next to a particular brother or sister. Be baptized next to them or by them. Or serve one another communion. Do all you can to make it right with your brother or sister. Before partaking in these forms of worship. Not because the elders say so. But the word of God which you and I say we believe says so. Let us be so convicted by the Spirit of God that we wouldn't dare do something just because 
Oh, it's communion time. It's worship time. You know, like we're some kind of zombies. We're just doing stuff out of rote. I've got the life of God in me. Christ died that I could have his life in me. Oh, Father. Where was I? You know, I, I had asked Pete to be on, on uh, alert for possibly having communion this week. Um, and I thought, no, I, I don't want to do this after this. But Keith and I were talking yesterday, and <clears throat> we talked about this. And we will have communion next week. This will give us a week. If there's a brother or a sister or anyone that there is an issue that you have. Husbands, wives, an issue. Consider whatever you do between now and then. Remember, we live before the Lord. Our lives are before him. Make it right as much as possible with you. Be at peace with them. Don't come and take communion, which is a picture of our union with Christ and one another, if we're intentionally, intentionally not exercising that union. Why? Because, if I may say it this way, it just simply insults the cross. It insults the union that Christ gave us to have with one another. Now, look, I'm confident that there's sin in my life every time I take communion. I'm confident of that. So I'm not talking about you better make sure you are perfectly sinless when you come up here. I'll, I'm sitting down. I'm never taking communion again. That's not what Jesus is saying. Understand that. If we know, if we know, and here's the thing, we do know. And because we want to be sanctified in the truth, and we know God's word is truth, we are going to joyfully express our union with Christ and with one another by saying, Charlie, I hurt you. Please forgive me, brother. I am so sorry for what I did. And heaven goes, yes! And we declare to heaven, to one another, and hell that we are one with the Father, one with the Son, one with the Spirit, and one with one another, so the world will know. They will know you're my disciples. How is that? By the love you have for one another. So, you can be angry. I can be angry. Just don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. <laughs> really? Can we, talk, can we wait till the winter solstice or something when the sun may be, in, where it doesn't go down? Maybe Alaska, I can be in Alaska where the sun doesn't go down for a long time. Um, do not let it go down. And do not, this is what it says, and do not give an opportunity to the devil. Sounds like when we let the sun go down on our anger, we're giving an opportunity to the devil. Well, if this is the word of God, this must be the truth. Does that sound optional to you? Hey, if it doesn't hurt your feelings, 
If it doesn't affect your pride, don't let the sun go down on your anger. But I understand if it's, it's a little too difficult for you. No, he says, in so doing, Frank, you're not going to give an opportunity to the devil. This is, this is not optional. It's mandatory. Why? Because Christ created a union for us to have with his Father and himself and with one another. I wrote here, Christ dying to create a union with us and himself is a big deal. Our not living in a manner worthy of our calling is a big deal too. Far too many of us have a disease of cancer of the tongue. But cancer of the tongue metastasizes from the heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if our hearts belong to Jesus, and they do, if you're in Christ, and we are perfectly one with him, and we are perfectly one with one another, and we are... We must give no quarter to these alien feelings and attacks of the world, the flesh, and the devil, to which we are no longer a part. In the power of the indwelling spirit, we must banish them to the hell to which they belong. And stop acting like, at times, our brothers or our sisters or our elders or other leaders are our enemies. Stop it. Stop it. Frank, stop it. It's a hard message. Because I know how often I transgress my union with you. Our Lord died to create this unity that only he could create through his sacrifice of himself. Now we live as his body to preserve and declare that unity, whatever, whatever the sacrifice. Well, there are several ways we can pray this morning, and we are going to pray this morning. Church, I think that there's some housekeeping we have to do. Um, some stuff that needs to be sucked out of here. Um, there's bitterness and there's unforgiveness among us. Or we need to ask somebody for forgiveness, someone we've hurt. Or go to someone that we know has something against us. And it may have been years. Husbands and wives, there's just no way. I mean, we're, we're, we're closest physically to one another. It's so often. And we wonder, here's the thing, I, I, do we wonder sometimes why we feel dull? Or why there's that, that feeling, that sense of passion or care? Would you consider something simple as this? The God who is completely relational and did everything to make us one with him and one another says, where's, where's the disconnect? I've done everything to make this oneness. You now do everything to preserve this and declare this oneness. See my sacrifice in light of your offense. And I guarantee your offense, Frank, will grow much smaller than this immense sacrifice that he made. So that forever, you and I can be one with him and one another. Stand with me, would you please, as we close here. Sure, I... With all my heart, I believe God is convicting us this morning. 
I, I truly believe there are some of us in this room, or some of us watching live stream, but particularly in this room, that you could do a beeline right now from one side of the church to another so there could be restitution. There could be resolving of a conflict. Doesn't matter how old it is. Let's hear this. Let's respond to this. Steve, would you come on up, brother? Um, what if these divisions are hindering the work of Christ in this church? What if my pettiness, what if my judgmentalness is my being offended more important than obedience to Christ and the growth of his church? These should be exhilarating words. Oh, that's what it is, Father. That's what it is. Oh, thank you. Thank you that I see this. Jimmy, I am sorry for what I did. Forgive me. Oh, heaven roars when what we have allowed to be removed so that we can live like we are. Father, make them one with us like we're one with one another. And he did it. So that you and I could live it. Maybe you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus. You are not in Christ. Could January 8th, the 208th anniversary of the Battle of New Orleans, be the day that your battle with God stops and you join the ranks of the redeemed? You join God's union to be forever now and forever united with him, the one who created all things and has loved you with an everlasting love. And maybe your issue is not with human beings this morning. Your issue may be with God. You may be ticked with God. You have a sickness in your body. Why God? You're not married yet. Why God? You, 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 the money is not enough to make the end of the month. Why God? He loves us. And he promises provision every could you this morning just kind of let God work in you? Maybe you haven't been able to get pregnant. Why, God? Would you let the love of God just saturate you? I can't answer that question. But God gave us his son. He gave us union with him. So when we put aside these things, we get to experience all that he is and all that he has for us. And it's so much more than anything this world has to offer. Maybe you have a different prayer need this morning. We're going to be down here after service. I want you to come and let us pray for you, whatever that is. If it's, if it's, if it's an issue of unforgiveness, whatever it may be, a health issue, let us pray with you. You just can't seem to see this union. Really? I'm united to God? How, why don't I know this? Have you asked and kept on asking? Let's pray.
Father, would you allow us to be filled with the knowledge of your will? And we know your will is that we would know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. That's life. Oh, God. Lord, we've lived, even as those who are in Christ, we've lived so far below the the explosive truths of being one with the God who created all things and created us to know you. God, would you break through those walls right now? Lord, I am praying for this church. I pray they're praying for me. We're praying for one another because we're united to you and one another. God, crush those walls of division that we have created. And we're living united as if we're divided. Oh God, forgive us. Spirit of God, come in and bring great conviction and great rejoicing that all of this was it. Because there's only one thing, Lord, we want, really, in, in my heart, in Christ, is that is to know you, the one true God, and Jesus who you sent to rescue me. Oh, God, Father, let us not leave this room this morning unreconciled with a brother or sister who's in this room that we could be reconciled with and are to be. And let us not leave this room in 2023. I'm going to keep pounding on your heart, God, that I will know you. Keep pounding on your heart that I understand to the degree in which I can the union that I have with you, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the result with one another. And lastly, if you are here this morning and you do not know Christ, you know a lot about him, you've been to church your whole life, but you've never said, yes, Jesus, I surrender to you. So this morning, just you can do that right where you're sitting. Just say, Father, I surrender myself to you. I don't even know all that that means, God, but I know I need you. I want you. Come take over the wreck of my life. And make me one with you. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all that you've done. For all of your glory. And for the building up of your church in unity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, come join us and let us pray for you.